So, Berto, are you into any kinky sexual stuff? Are you into any kinks? Of course. Yeah? Like what kind of stuff? Well, let's see. First of all, I used to have a doctor fetish, like a female doctor fetish. Okay. You know, that one passed, but I used to be like, all right, I'm going to imagine I'm going to the doctor for a checkup. Yeah. And, you know, you have to take off all your clothes. and, uh, And I don't know if you remember this, like years ago, maybe 15 years ago, the protocols were different. Like, I remember going and it's like, okay, take off all your clothes and put on... This little flimsy uh, thingy, yeah, and it was like, like it barely covers anything at all, and it's like. But nowadays, they they um they've gotten a lot more conservative with their. <laughs> but anyway, so I used to have that fetish, and um, I've I guess the other thing that I'd say I don't know that these are weird, just you know they are what they are. Um, I certainly like uh, thinking of massages. Like you're you're getting a massage or a spa treatment and something happens. Okay. Yeah. If I remember right, you also had a fetish related to this, which was essentially you being naked and the and the woman. Being- oh yeah, CFNM, uh, yeah. clothed female, naked male. Right. Yeah, it's like this position of vulnerability where you're um, you're in the swimming class and you forgot your trunks, but you know what? They have you have to swim. Sorry, them's the rules. Right. You're like, oh, but I'm the only one naked here. (laughs) Well, did you know that you might have a mental disorder? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. According to the DSM-5, which is the Psychiatric Bible, you you just might qualify for a disorder. Oh, boy. And there's a raging debate about why some of these, what I would call normal sexual behaviors and impulses, are considered pathological by the DSM-5. Uh-huh. And... The conservatives, shall we label them, are winning because they managed to include many normal behaviors in the DSM-5, which was just published in 2013. That is fascinating. That seems regress- like a regression from the trend. Totally. Uh, well, that's what I want to talk about today. I, I want to talk about what they call paraphilic disorders or sexual oddity disorders, what the research says, what percentage of people have preferences that would be considered a disorder, what the DSM-5 says, what my opinion is, and how our society shapes the way we see these disorders. What do you say? Let's do it. Welcome to the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a professor and a therapist. My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I sell Lay's downtown. This episode is just for patrons of the podcast, so if you're listening to this and you're not a patron of the podcast, this episode will end before the content begins. If you want to hear the full episode, which will probably be an hour long-ish, you have to become a patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com. That's patreon.com. Become a patron. Patrons get access to all premium episodes on their phones or on the Patreon page or on YouTube, and and know that a portion of your monthly pledge goes towards various charities that we support. If we meet our next Patreon goal, we will start donating to PetFinder.com, which is an international organization that saves pets from being euthanized and gets those pets to loving homes. In fact, my two cats I found on PetFinder, they were rescued from the streets of Beirut, Lebanon, if you can believe it. And a nice woman who was volunteering with PetFinder actually flew them, my two cats, personally on a plane back to the United States, and then I adopted them. Wow. So, so uh, yeah, if you're not a patron, then the episode will end now.
Welcome to the Patron Zone, people. Thank you so much for becoming a patron. You guys are rad. We recently met our first goal on Patreon, which means that we can now pay the co-hosts. Incidentally, I've been paying the co-hosts all this time anyway. I was just using that as a ploy to get you to to become a patron. No, uh, I I was paying them half as much as what I'll pay them now, but they'll they'll actually get a, a respectable... Uh, you know, compensation for their time because it is time consuming. The the podcast could be it's yeah. fun, but it's also yeah. time consuming. Okay, so uh, here is my thesis: paraphilic disorders are stupid. So that's what my main thesis is as we move forward. In general, you mean across the board? Um, well, we'll get into that. Okay. There's there's some DSM five uh, paraphilias are defined as anomalous sexual activity. Uh, or sexual preferences, uh, and, or anomalous sexual target preferences. So uh, uh, we have to we have to understand what anomalous means, which we'll get into more. Yeah. So it has to be a, a, an anomalous preference or an anomalous target, meaning children is an anomalous target. I see. Preferences. Or feet is an anom- is an anomalous target according to DSM. Five. And, and by the way, like um, in terms of defining things, uh, in general, I'm okay whenever you know you want to come up with a definition for something and say, "Hey, look, if certain things d- diverge from the main the main area under this you know curve of a normal distribution of something, then we're going to call it deviant, right?" But the problem is. And then, because of that, we're now going to do something about it. We're going to label you dysfunctional. Or we're going to have to. You're going to be ill or sick, or we have to put you in jail, or we have to do something. And that's when you have to really start questioning the, the criteria. <laughs> right. Exactly. Which, yeah, we'll absolutely get into. So, again, if you have an anomalous sexual preference, you might qualify for having a disorder. Uh, as as an analogy, if you had an anomalous food preference. Should you be pathologized for having an anom- I like I like spam. Uh, what? No one else likes spam in the world except for other Japanese Americans. Should we? I have spam preference disorder because it's anomalous <laughs> preference. Yeah. You know what is it about anomalous sexual preferences that get pathologized? You know, I, I eat Thai food with chopsticks. My understanding is Thai people do not actually use chopsticks for eating their food. Yeah. That means I'm a pathology. Yeah. You, I'm patho- you're, pathological. You're you're a pathological <laughs> chopstick Thai user. Uh, incidentally, Japanese people use chopsticks not as often as people think. Like, oh, okay. like uh, for instance, uh, it's customary to eat sushi with your hands. Ah. To not like if you have those knee, sure, knee, sure, knee, yeah. those 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 little you know just those little slabs over a little bit of rice. Right. Uh, you're supposed to grab those with your with your hands. And uh, you rare and when I do that in a restaurant, people look at me funny. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, it's just better with your hands. It's it it it's uh it's perfectly made. Anyway, uh, the opposite of paraphilic is normophilic. So you can have normophilic sexual preferences or behavior. They should call it normophilic. <laughs> normophilic. Paraphilia is according to DSM. This is a quote. Any intense and persistent sexual interest other than sexual interest in genital stimulation or preparatory fondling with phenotypically normal, physically mature, consenting human partners, unquote. (laughs) So, again, any intense and persistent sexual interest 
other than sexual interest in genital stimulation, one, or two, preparatory fondling. <laughs> uh, I just love DSM language. Preparatory fondling with phenotypically normal, physically mature, consenting human partners. So they threw in human there. Phenotypically meaning yeah. they look the way that norm, that other they they look typical of their identity. You but know? they relax the gay standard, huh? Well, that's a good question because gay sexual preference and behavior is anomalous. Yeah, it's not it's not the majority. It's not the majority. So is that pathological? So not a court. They don't talk about that in the and DSM. But is elbow rubbing as the you know when they were saying like the precursors or whatever is, is that okay? Right. So it's not preparatory fondling. But what know? if someone's prepared by fondling elbows? Right. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I, that, I, no joke. According to the definition, that could be pathologized if it causes okay. if it caused distress. Now I want to say from the start here that, and we'll get into you know the specific paraphilias that are listed in the DSM. There are eight. Uh, there are some that are uh, absolutely should be pathologized. You know, for instance, it's it's good that in the definition that you mature people should be having. You know, if you're attracted mm-hmm. to children, then that's you know that should be a pathologized. Consenting is in there. Yep. Yes, if you want to have sex, if you want to do something to an un you know to someone who's not consenting, yeah, that should be pathologized in my mind. If you uh, and human. Uh, we can probably all agree that yep. having sex with animals is is not okay. And and I think those have the common theme of like, look, we we don't have the science or technology, probably thankfully, to imprison parts of your brain. So, for example, one could imagine uh, an advanced society where, oh, Kirk, you're doing harm to your arm by do by by uh, putting resting it like that on the table. We're going to put that part of your brain in jail for for an hour. <laughs> you know, right. we don't have that. That doesn't exist. Right. So our laws normally end where the body, you know, the freedom of you of you to do stuff to yourself is sort of there. But as soon as you start doing stuff to others. And they're not consenting to it. Like, that's where we're like, stop, dude. We're going to have to do something about that. We have right. to put you in jail or, or put you in timeout or whatever it is. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because you're talking about the law, which is completely different from disorders. Yeah, but, but even, that's totally fair. But even the golden rule, which is not technically a, a law in our books, but, you know, it's like do on to others as you would do. In, in essence, as soon as you start doing stuff that affects others and they don't want that to happen or they shouldn't because they're too young to understand or they're animals they don't have the right to consent. Yeah, I totally get it. That makes sense. Like, let's put some limits. Well, let's put... Again, you're talking about legal limits, which which of course I agree with, but we wouldn't call depression illegal. Sure, that's fair. That's in the DSM. The DSM is a mental disorder catalog and... Uh, and of course, we could debate, you know, whether or not we need to even call paraphilias mental disorders. We could we could call them illegal, but we don't necessarily have to pathologize. You know, the idea that your saying. brain is broken essentially. I guess the you, you yeah, have yeah. a you have a pathology of the brain, and, my, and my pra- oh, most people would agree that if you are attracted to. Uh, raping uh, women, for instance, like that's the only way you can get off sexually, then under most philosophical definitions of a mental disorder, uh, many people would agree that you could, you know, classify that as a mental disorder, you know, being only attracted to children, being only attracted to sheep or something. 
and, there, and there's a pragmatic side to that, which is where I would say, well, look, uh, because laws do come into your, your activities, if there is something that you are compelled to do where even the threat of law or the threat of repercussions doesn't seem to dissuade you from doing that thing that causes harm to you or others or, or all of the above, then sure, if we want to classify that as a, as a mental disorder, at least intuitively, that tends to make sense. You know? Uh, yeah. Uh, but no, because it was illegal, for instance, for my mom and dad to have sex and get married in Wyoming in nineteen, you know, in 1963. My Japanese father and yeah. my white mother got married two states over in Wyoming. It would have been illegal. Yeah. We we can't. But utilize, that was intuitive. That was well at the time. It happened right, and so we can't. According to your definition, we should have pathologized yes. my parents. No, yeah, I, and I'm standing by that. I'm saying that at the time, it's horrible, of course, but at the time, if I would have been okay, logically consistent to say, look, this is a law, yet you guys continue to defy that law. There must be something wrong with your brain. Uh, now, of course, then no revolutions would happen, no civil rights movements would happen and all these things. So there's a bug in there somewhere. I admit that. No, I, I think law should be completely divorced from this conversation. Okay, how it, about it, consequence, it, though? It, it, which is fine, but... The, uh, the 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 measure of utilizing the law as a if you you know your argument is if you are doing something even though you could go to jail well even though it causes you or others or all of the above harm right me including you going to jail yeah that's that's one idea yeah. then autom- automatically that means you you suffer from a disorder but by that logic. In our history, all sorts of things that we would not consider disorders would be considered a disorder according to that definition. Being gay, yeah, having oral right. sex, having right. anal sex. That's right. Uh, are all, consi- you know, a Japanese man and a white woman that's all right. should be pathologized because it was against the law. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right that the law is where it falls down the hardest because, for example, if we we'll, if, forget the law for a second, like you're saying, let's say that. Uh, me moving my arm in a certain way causes it to burn. And so you tell me, my mom tells me, I was like, hey, don't move your arm in that way because it'll burn. It'll actually scar you and burn. And I keep doing it. Okay, I'm continuously doing something that I've been told and I've seen and I've experienced causes harm to me. If someone wants to say, hey, we're going to pathologize that, we're going to call that a mental disorder, I'd be okay with that definition. I am 100% against what you just said, because if I said to you, using this extreme analogy, that breathing is Uh against the law for you, Uh just for you, because someone passed the law, is that pathology that you want to breathe? But is the breathing killing me or something? No. The breathing oh, but that's is different creating... from what I just said. No. What I what I said is, without yeah. the need for a law, if there is some action that continuously harms me or okay, others... forget about the law. Say, every time you breathe, someone mm-hmm. slaps you across the face. Right. Well, okay, but then they're the ones breaking the... They're exactly. The ones, you know. so, this is, so if society says that being gay is wrong and pathologizes that and, and creates a society that makes you feel terrible and incurs, you know... Being gay today in 2016 causes negative consequences because society will react against you. You're much more likely to be depressed. You're much more likely to uh, engage in substance abuse to cope. You're much more likely to kill yourself. And so being gay is absolutely uh, uh, and will incur consequences 
negative consequences to yourself. But and yet people continue to quote unquote be gay. Okay, and but we can get more nuanced about it in that case because you're right. Like in the case of the slapping, that we say like, okay, no, that's not a natural consequence. That person actually needs to be stopped. They shouldn't be slapping people. Okay? Right. So in the case of the law. And they think this is your point and say like, well, okay, just because the law says something, we can't just pathologize. Absolutely. I agree. I agree with your point. Yeah. The, the law is, has nothing to do with the mental disorder. If they happen to coincide, great. Now, the other part of this is that mental disorders are often utilized by the law to, uh, to assess someone or okay. to uh, deem them unable to, re- you know, if, if you just accidentally one time raped a child... And you didn't suffer from a disorder of of being compelled to rape children, right. then the consequences legally will be presumably not as severe as if right. you have a disorder, a mental disorder that's been diagnosed by a qualified you know yeah. clinician, and you suffer from a disorder, and therefore you should be locked away for much longer because until you're cured of this disorder, you're not going to, you shouldn't be, you know, walking the streets right. is the idea. I guess what I was going for was more of like, pretend that you don't, you like, I, let's say I like having sex with cantaloupes. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then sure, there's the weirdness of it all or whatever, but, um, but let's pretend that the cantaloupe has an ingredient that it just causes a terrible skin irritation, no matter who does it. It's not just me. It's anyone who does it. Okay. And so people are like, dude, don't do it. Like, your, your dick's going to fall off. Like it's gonna... And I'm like, I can't stop myself. I can't stop myself. Right. That sounds like a compulsion, something you might be able to classify under some sort of thing. Right. Yeah. So, yes, if it is causing you problems yeah. that is not a result of someone else being unfair, yeah. like society being homophobic, then it is perhaps coherent mm-hmm. to the mental disorder philosophy to categorize and classify that as a compulsion and therefore a disorder. Yeah. Uh, now, again, philosophically, we could debate you know, the finer points of that right. because we do all sorts of things that are counter to our survival, yeah. drinking alcohol, smoking cigarettes, driving cars, and, uh, and they're just, not exercising as, you know, do I, I didn't exercise today. Yeah. Do I have a, a, a lack of exercise disorder? And so it gets, right. it gets very strange. Right. And of course it's embedded in culture. And so, uh, we just have to recognize that, that there, you know, mm-hmm. if you have a, like I always bring up the idea of a broken bone. If you have a broken bone, if you break your arm mm-hmm. bone, then by any definition, there's something wrong with your body. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? You, you have a broken bone and there's a diagnosis called broken bone and you, <laughs> you, there's a treatment for it. But when it comes to mental quote unquote disorders, it gets very strange. Right. It's it very, very squishy. And we just have to recognize that it's very squishy. You know? Yeah. It's as if you were like, well, who's to say just because you have a, f- a femur in one, in one piece doesn't make my two piece femur any less valid <laughs> right right um okay so paraphilias include uh intense and persistent interest in they even say this in the dsm spanking whipping or binding well so, they call those out as, by, by name like, yeah so spanking whipping and binding what? are considered to be a paraphilia oh my gosh yeah that's crazy. Uh, if the interest in these act, act, particularly if the interest in these activities exceed the person's interest in quote unquote copulation, 
then it's a paraphilia. So <laughs> if you're more interested in spanking than you are in having intercourse, then that qualifies you as having a paraphilia. What if you're more interested in finishing your video game level than having intercourse? Does that qualify you as a paraphilia? Yeah, it's got, there's all sorts of just ridiculousness in the DSM. Um, now, just because a sexual activity is defined as a paraphilia doesn't mean it's a disorder. It must cause distress. But they call non-distress-causing paraphilias benign paraphilias, like a benign tumor or benign narcissism. Or benign spanking. Right. Ra- but, rather than just calling it normal, normal sexual spanking. You know what I mean? It's like you, you, they can't, they, even when it's not causing distress, they still want to call it a paraphilia which is associated right. with a disorder. And then how do they define distress? A slight redness of your bum bum? <laughs> yeah. Well, they, you know, that's a whole other debate. Uh, you know, d- distress at work or at home or in, for your emotions. And yeah. so, you know, it gets... And that's why the DSM has all sorts of flaws because, right. again, if you're super into spanking but you can't find anyone to do that with, then it's going to cause distress, or when you do it with people, they think you're a freak and they make fun of you and you feel bad about yourself, then obviously your spanking uh, preference causes distress. But the only reason why it causes distress is because society is too close-minded about such things. Right. And so, but the DSM has no clause in there about culture. It doesn't even talk about it. It doesn't right. say uh, this excludes the kind of distress mm-hmm. caused by society being close-minded. It doesn't say right. anything about that. It doesn't even mention it. I mean, who are these people? You know, it just really boggles right. the mind. Well, for example, my uh, my freshman year when I when I like the summer right before I started college um, is when I uh, started having intercourse. You know, sex, good old American normal intercourse. I'm, I'm doing the quotes with my fingers. A normal feeling. But you know what happened to me? I started being very distressed about that. Why? Because I was this like Catholic kid, you know, grew up Catholic. So I started feeling like I was sinning and like I had really broken my vows because, you know, I wasn't married. And so it's like. So you were compelled to have sex. Yep. And it was causing you distress. It was. I was a paraphilic. So so in a sense, uh, even though it was copulation and preparatory fondling, as we said then uh, in some ways it could be considered a mental mental disorder. Now, it was with a cantaloupe, and it was irritating my skin, but... You You did put a little face on it, (laughs) and you called it uh, Wilson. Um, Okay, let's go into the history. At at the time of the first Kinsey report, you've heard of the Kinsey reports, 1948, what sort of sex was illegal in many U.S. states? Uh, You know, anal sex. Anal sex. And blowjobs. Oral sex. Oral sex, yeah. And homosexual intercourse. Sodomy, basically. Yeah. Uh, All considered to be abnormal and pathological and paraphilic at the time. Right. So, again, without this understanding of history, which I keep bringing up, you have to understand that today we're embedded in some weird history just like we were before, and we just have to question our notions today. Did you know that homosexuality was originally a disorder in the DSM? Yes, I didn't know that. Homosexuality was listed as a mental disorder in the first DSM. Then in 1973, it was deleted in the second edition of DSM. It makes sense, right? It's against nature. Many gay people were having distress because of their homosexuality. They wanted to be converted because society was being terrible towards them. But, you know, looking back, we're like, well, that was society. That's not them. But why can't we apply that to today in terms of 
for instance, spaking or binding people, you know, bondage, just right. because it's not smiled upon by society doesn't automatically make it a disorder, you know, but somehow the DSM uh, has no memory of history, even of its own book. Um, okay. So according to the DSM definition of paraphilia, homosexuality should still be considered a disorder, right? As we were talking about earlier, but that's stupid. It's anomalous, meaning not the majority, like we were talking about. It causes significant distress. Okay, so the different areas are social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning, like getting fired or being disowned by your family or internalized homophobia. So, you know, it should be considered a paraphilia, uh, which just proves to me that the definition of paraphilia in DSM 5 is just completely insufficient. If being homosexual can be considered pathological still, then something's wrong. and all, all they really need in there is like uh, a clause that says the distress cannot be attributed to society. That's yeah. all they have to say. Yeah. But of course, they would never say that because they're idiots. Okay. So now, again, just want to remind people, we should absolutely pathologize some behavior. Not because it's terrible per se, but because it's, it's abnormal and it's not of a typical mind, shall we say. Yeah. When you want to fraud, uh, frauderistic disorder, you know, when you are on, you know what that one is? No. It's when you're on the subway and you want to rub up against someone. Oh, that's got a name. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. called fr- fr- frauderism and ped- pedophilia. These things are absolutely consistent with mental disorders. You, there's, there's something wrong with your mind that causes a, sexual preference to be directed in a way that is not only destructive to yourself, but destructive to others. I was a frauderist in sixth and seventh grade. Really? Yeah. I, uh, I did not know how to properly express my sexual feelings at the time. So I remember whenever there was a lot of kids bunched up, like, cause we were like checking test results or something like that. I would stand behind a a couple of the girl friends that, that I was friends with and I would just kind of rub up. <laughs> I feel terrible about it now. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, by their definition, pedophilia and frauderism, for the most part, it, it, its definition means that the target is unwilling and or not old enough to provide right. consent. And so, yeah, we should absolutely pathologize those, those things. But the others that are in there have uh, elements that should should never be uh, pathologized. The one I'll go to right off the bat is transvestic disorder. Do you know what that one is? Where you want to dress like the opposite sex? Right. So cross-dressing. This is in the DSM. So if you uh, are if you have a if you get sexual pleasure from cross-dressing. Right. And it causes you to stress, which <laughs> will likely happen because society laughs at you all the time, and you're and you feel ashamed of yourself. Then you you have a mental disorder, right? Do you know how fucking stupid that is? A, a woman, you know, born female, right? Who who wants to dress like and get sexual pl- pleasure from dressing like a man, uh-huh. and say masturbates or something, dressing as a man, or wants to have sex right. while dressing like a man. This person has a mental disorder. Yeah, I mean, as defined. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's only harming, like, it's only harming that person if, in fact, 
the society or friends or others demonize them for that same action. Right. Not because it harmed someone else. Right. Now, what some people are probably thinking is like, well, for some people, it actually does become a problem. Like, they can't stop, you know, it just like normal masturbation or just like normal sex, just like any other sexual behavior. Right. So they should just call it compulsive sexual disorder and they should divorce it from any particular thing. Yeah, totally. Right. And that already exists. Right. I mean, don't they have a compulsion? Uh, disorder? well, OCD. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but they should, uh, why does transvestic disorder? I mean, the DSM five, there's many things that are trying to get in there, right? They don't yeah. just let anything in. Yeah. The last uh, push was they're trying to get a form of severe grief in the DSM-5, but they refused to let it in. That sounds more applicable. <laughs> right. But So it's not like they just let any old thing in. They, they, they are constantly trying to you know, get rid of certain disorders, and yet transvestic disorder is still in there. And it's also it sounds so kind of irrelevant because... You would think that the whole point of having this big compendium is so that uh, a budding therapist or psychiatrist or psychologist or can use this as a guide, as a reference for how do I treat people? What do I do? And stuff like this. Yeah. But with some of these things, it's like, well, what's your point? Like, what are you trying to get at? What are you trying to accomplish by this? Right. <laughs> exactly. If someone came to your office and said, you know, I, I think there's something wrong with me. I, I only can get off when... I dress up like a woman, mm-hmm. and I have sex with my partner. Uh, I, I, you know, and then you go, okay. Well, let me look through my DSM, and you, oh, I see. You're a transvestite. You're, you, you have you have transvestic disorder. Transvestic disorder. It's in here. You, let me let's go through the criteria. In fact, let's let's actually read the yeah. criteria here. Uh, transvestic. Tell me, tell me the drug you have to give the person to cure them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the uh, code F sixty five point one over the. Over the period of at least six months, recurrent and intense sexual arousal from cross-dressing as manifested by fantasies, urges, or behaviors. So you don't even have to actually cross-dress. You just have to have fantasies. Just think about it. <laughs> okay. The, the fantasies, sexual urges, or behaviors cause clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other areas of functioning. So, and again, no discussion of culture. So if... You feel ashamed because your sexual partners have been programmed to shame you about such things, and you're having a hard time finding a partner who will accept you because of this, and or you just feel bad about it because you have internalized homophobia or internalized transphobia, you... Uh, and it's you get depressed, and it's hard for you to find a partner, and you're just having all sorts of problems. And uh, you have a disorder. You have you. It's you. You have the mental disorder. It's the problem is you. Yours, it's yeah. not society. The problem is you. You are the problem. That is fucking terrible. That the DSM would do that. And what do they do? They recommend a treatment. Uh let's see. Treatment. Don't wear the clothing next time. <laughs> uh, no, DSM five doesn't have doesn't lay out treatment. I it see. just lays out criteria for disorders. Uh, other books do do such things. So it's that. like I've been diagnosed with transvestic disorder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, great. Find someone who's into that. You know, that would be my thing. So if you okay, so if you like your significant other to dress a certain way, with like a costume. While you're engaging in sex, 
right? That's who. That's, well, who's the messed up one at that point? Is it you or the person dressing up? Yeah, you're making someone participate. But yeah, but I'll, but just to use that example, that's anomalous sexual preference, right? Right. And if you're having a hard time finding someone that would do that, and you feel ashamed and it's causing you distress, then you have a disorder. But that's my like. Imagine. So I come to you. I'm, I'm you're the therapist. I'm like, hey, listen. Um, I have a problem. So what's your problem? It's like, well, my mate only seems to really be getting off lately when I dress up. Scooby Doo, right? It's like, yeah, you have to wear a, a doggy because, yeah, I dress up as Scooby Doo. Yeah, so I'm dressing up as Scooby Doo while having sex. Yeah, does that make me? No, uh, you, your, your partner has shaggy disorder. Shaggy disorder. So the other, the other, so again, there are eight listed, but they also have like a ninth one that says like if you can, you can apply it to any other anomalous sexual preference or target. But just to go through the others that we haven't men- mentioned, sexual masochism disorder, which is being humiliated, beaten, or bound yourself, and so you get sexual pleasure from that. Why is that that a disorder? Mm. That's ridiculous. Now, again, if it becomes compulsive to the point that's ruining your life, like any other sexual behavior, yeah. then by all means, pathologize. But it's like eating compulsively. Or they, yeah, anything. Anything yes. can be comp- That's why it should just be a compulsive category or yes. something. Right. Sexual sadism disorder. Sexual arousal from the suffering of another person. Now, in some instances, we can absolutely pathologize this, right? If if you need someone to be actually suffering and not and not consenting to that, then by all means, let's pathologize that. That's right. that's abnormal behavior. Uh, it's abnormal brain at that point. But even if it's just fantasies, I so see. even if you never act on it, it's it can be pathologized. It's like, hey, I watch this kind of porn, and that's what gets me off, right? And uh, so, so, so sexual arousal from the suffering of, of others, even if it's just fantasies, and the, the person has acted on these urges with a non-consenting person, okay, we can say that that's, that's, not, that's not good, or the urges or fantasies cause distress. So, so, so according to this, someone – so again, and there are certain people that will fit this criteria who should actually be pathologized, right. someone who gets off basically raping somebody. But – According to this very broad definition, someone could merely have fantasies about, you know, dripping wax on someone because that's a thing. That's a fetish, you know, dripping hot wax and mm-hmm. that causes pain. So someone could merely have fantasies, not even ever do it, but have fantasies of dripping wax on someone who consents to it if that causes distress in, in the person who has those fantasies mm-hmm. because they're ashamed of their, of their fantasies. And they have, and they get more sexual pleasure from this fantasy than they do from just non, uh, just regular copulation. Uh, that this is all, according to the DSM, a disorder. Um, uh, another one, voyeuristic disorder, uh, same as sadism, absolutely could be considered pathological if you're walking up on innocent people who don't even know they're being observed naked and you're peeking in their window and basically, right. you know, uh, sexually abusing them that way, then, then yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Let's, let's pathologize right. that. But again, even if it's just fantasies and even if the person is consenting, oh, but yeah. it causes you distress. Right. So it includes people that are just have distress from this. And they're actually doing it with consenting adults, you know, like... I think that the, the catch-all there is the distress word. Yeah. Because distress could mean so many different things. Right, right, exactly. Um, so this is... This and is and a, just and completely just ignores the fact that our society is completely sex-shaming yeah, and sex-negative. Right. 
It's like there's, you know, uh, yeah. mo- all sex w- is considered pathology. All sex causes distress in Americans' lives. Yeah. Everyone has distress in some way about their sexuality because we're shamed from day one about our sexuality. You know, it's unbelievable about this. It's like if you take it to the extreme, this gal comes in to see a therapist. It's like, what's wrong? It's like, okay, we were having sex, normal American grade A P and V sex. <laughs> My boyfriend gave me his shirt, T-shirt to wear. When I put it on, all of a sudden, I got panic attacks, and I started sweating profusely, and I started really screaming at the top of my lungs, and I was saying all sorts of incomprehensible things. As soon as I took off the T-shirt, we went back to having normal sex, and I had a normal orgasm, and everything was fine. And the therapist goes, oh, then that means you're normal. <laughs> because right. because as long as you're not wearing the cross-dressing clothing, right. you're fine. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, the last two are exhibitionist disorder. Again, same as sadism and voyeurism. Absolutely, th- some exhibitionist uh, compulsions we should pathologize. If you're one of those guys who walks the streets in a trench coat and, and, expose, then and exposes yourself to right. innocent people, then... You should absolutely, you know, there's something wrong with you that, that you want other people to be uh, harmed uh, by you. That's yeah. there's something wrong with that. Uh, but again, as with these other disorders, it includes even if it's just fantasies. So you could just, you could never do it in your life, just have fantasies and still qualify for the disorder. And even if you're exhibitionist to someone and they're consenting to it, yeah. but it's causing you distress, again, uh, you qualify for the disorder. So I, I'm going to say uh, something. I'm not sure you agree with it or not. But again, I think that I'd be sort of comfortable if uh, at the start of these books or whatever, they said, hey, listen, uh, FYI, we're going to define the following. Anything in this book that's called abnormal, it means that it deviates from the following percentages of a standard deviation curve. Okay. And please understand that we do not mean this, 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 or that by abnormal, and in no way should it be used for this, and no, 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 et cetera, right? Ton, tons of caveats, and then they go ahead and they write their book. Right. It could still cause problems, but at least I'd be like, okay, I see where they're coming from, right? Right. All they would need was one sentence <laughs> yeah. that said, if this, if the distress is caused by culture, yeah, right. then that doesn't count. <laughs> right. You know, but and they don't have that sentence. And it's because like a lot of the examples you gave, I'm like, well... Technically, it's just as arbitrary to say that uh, the exhibitionist, the guy with the trench coat, opens up, is quote unquote there. There's a mental that their brain is literally misfiring. Like technically, it's still arbitrary, except that we need it to be so. We need to define it that way because we have to have a culture. You know what I mean? So to some extent, like right. Well, the culture is if you have if you get pleasure from harming other human beings, yeah, then. We are willing to label that as yes. a disorder. And because even to this extent, let's say we could prove somehow science advances 600 years in one day. And we could somehow prove that, oh, look, the chemical interactions that happen when a person likes cantaloupes happen to be bad uh, for the universe. It's entropy. It's whatever. It's like some mathematical proof that it's bad. But in that case, you know what I would still argue? It's like, okay, I see your proof. But it still doesn't affect anyone else, and it's going to take two trillion years for that negative effect to. So let's just let it happen. Yeah. Right. And the flip side is, if they were like, "Okay, we've done the magic mathematical proof. There's technically nothing, quote unquote, wrong biologically when someone exposes their their overcoat to kids." I'm gonna say, "I hear your proof. Still gonna have to go with like that's not right." Right. <laughs> right. And so because we value the non harm of other yeah, human beings. Right. 
it it affects the way we see disorders. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting. I don't think I've ever really thought about it, but th- there are certain disorders in the DSM that are basically, uh, you know, based on that premise. Because someone who has, you know, uh, this exhibitionist disorder, they typically don't go to therapy and say, I have a problem. Yeah. They get caught and then they're forced to go to therapy for it, right? Someone who rapes someone and gets off on that doesn't necessarily think there's something wrong with them. That's right. Whereas when you're depressed, you absolutely say there's something wrong with me. When you have anxiety, you absolutely whether you go to a therapist or not, you have, when internally you're like, I'm suffering yeah. and I don't want to suffer. And so it's interesting how there's certain diagnoses in the DSM that are just completely separate from that <laughs> from that main uh, body of disorders, you know, right. bipolar. Uh, dissociative disorders, uh, PTSD. Right. You know, clients will say, "I'm suffering. I need help." But there's this whole other classification that we would say uh, is just a different kind of value system that informs the definition. That's right. And and as we're talking, it's basically if if you're compelled to harm other human beings, we're yeah. going to label that as pathology. I, I was going to say you could imagine it getting this way with medicine too. Like, sorry, uh, what I mean by that is uh, physiology. Uh, if you took to things to the extremes, like with Nazis or something. Because let's say, you know, you were saying the broken bone thing, right? Well, let's not even go broken bone. Let's just say uh, you have a certain, your blood pressure is above 130, okay? Well, you know, someone could argue, well, is that really wrong? And it's like, no, there's not right or wrong. It's just that we've done the science for hundreds of years. It turns out that if your blood pressure starts climbing above a certain level, eventually you might your odds of having a heart attack and all these things increase dramatically. And if you want to stay alive longer, then you should bring down the... So that's a very like cause and effect relationship that's kind of hard to argue against. But you don't have to label it right or wrong. It just is. Oh, my blood pressure is too high. Okay, if I want to live longer, I might want to lower that blood pressure. But not too low, because if I drop under 100, that's probably... You know, these kind of things. But other things, if I'm like, okay, see, we just looked at your cranium size, and it's not quite ideal... You're subcranial. We call you subcranial, right. right? Well, as soon as you start getting there, it's still physiolo- physiology. And you might say, like, look, we averaged out. Humans, on average, have a cranium of this size. You, you're like 10% under. We're going to call that subcranial. There's something wrong with you. Well, but in reality, we end up not going to those extremes because it's, A, it doesn't, it's impractical. Like, it doesn't help or, it, like, it actually only hurts because now it makes you feel bad about it. But it, there's nothing we can do about it. We're not going to operate your freaking cranium, right? And then taking to its real extremes, it's like, you're a suboptimal human being because you're not this tall. You're not this white. You're not this, that. You're not. That you know. is the message of these paraphilias. Yeah. There is something different about you. Yeah. And again, if if the person actually never harms another human being. This, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And actually never even have, like the, the transvestic disorder, it doesn't have, any, have anything to do with harming other people. It just has to do with you getting off on dressing up as the other gender as you define it. And uh, by, we're, it's basically what you're saying is we're, we're labeling that as different and therefore a disorder or there's something yeah. wrong with you. The last one is fetish, feti, fetish, fetishistic, fetishistic disorder. disorder. Uh, non-living object or non-genital body part. So if you love to have sex with fettuccine, yeah. does that make you a fettuccine fetishist? <laughs> yeah, if it causes distress. If you, know, if you have a foot fetish that causes distress, and again, having a fetish has nothing to do with 
consent it you know you it, there's nothing in the definition that says it's to an unconsenting person right it's just if you are if you gain most of your sexual satisfaction from a non-living object like shoes or from a non-genital body part like feet yeah. or hands or shoulders or thighs these are non-genital body parts then you qualify and it causes you to stress you know either through culture or your spouse uh, hates it because that's you know all that you want to do all the time because your spouse is sexually negative <laughs> then you have you qualify for a fetishistic disorder which is fucking ridiculous so, so again <laughs> i just want to read them all again we have fr- fr- frauderistic disorder which i'm guessing 99% of the time is applied to people who i would agree would qualify for the disorder. Right. Because there's pretty rarely a situation where someone would present with that behavior uh, and not have it be in the category of, uh, you know, non-consensual stuff. Same with pedophilic disorder. Uh, There's, you know, I'm I'm willing to say that, fine, pedophilia, frauderism, absolutely. But sexual masochism, just having yourself humiliated, uh, uh, presumably you're consenting to that. Right. And the person humiliating you is consenting to that. And, uh, but what? Uh, sexual sadism, again, that's on the borderline. At, you know, there's absolutely sexual sadists who are absolutely pathological in my mind, but there are people who are into sadism who, uh, you know, play with sadism in their sexual play. Yeah. And it's consented, but it's still humiliating and still ba- binding the other person, that kind of thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Voyeurism, same sort of thing. Exhibitionism, same thing. Could go either way. Feti- fetish. F- why are we pathologizing fetishes? There's yeah. there's zero reason for that. Unless the person, again, it it's that's all they think about. All day long, it just completely interferes with everything else that they do. They can only think about masturbating on a shoe. Then, yeah, <laughs> that there's we could say that you know they're suffering and there's something wrong. But again, we don't have to specifically designate fetish disorder. We can just say it's a sexual compulsion that manifests as a fetish, you know? That that is such a, it seems like such a childish thing to do. You know, I come to you and I'm like, okay, my, my, I've been having all sorts of stomach problems. And you're like, oh, really? Have you been eating anything weird? Well, I ate a red crayon on Friday. Oh, you're like, yeah, but I ate a green crayon on Saturday, and that one also made me sick. And your conclusion is, okay, red and green crayons give you trouble. <laughs> right. But instead of like, oh, don't eat crayons. Right. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're focusing on the behavior because our society is so stupid. Yeah, like the specifics of the preference instead of like, oh, are you obsessed with something and it's causing you to lose sleep and work and miss? Okay, you're obsessed with something. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. And the last one, transvestic disorder. Okay, let's go into some of the research. Journal of Sex Research, Joyle and Carpenter in 2016 this year, surveyed uh, on the phone and online over 1,000 Canadians, so consider that. Berto, what percentage were interested in at least one type of sexual behavior that is considered anomalous in the DSM-5? So one of the one of the eight. I mean, like 80%. 46%. Really? Only 46%. Yeah. What percentage had experience in at least one type of the... Oh, yeah, fine. Of 30%. The, good. 33%. And specifically, how many of these 1,000 Canadians said that they had experienced voyeurism or in, wait, was interested probably interested so interested in voyeurism 
Um, interested in watching others, like by the watching, way, is, watching others undress or have sex, and is porn included in that? No, no, it's, it's got to be live. It's probably got to be how live. arbitrary, but okay. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, another forty percent. But I'm guessing that people who are into voyeurism could use porn as a as a way to satisfy themselves. But yeah, yeah close thirty five. Fetishism, 26. Frauderism, 26%. 26% of these Canadians said they were interested in frauderism. That one's a little surprising, actually. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, and 19% masochism. Was there a gender difference, Berto? Yes. Yes. Men were more likely to be interested, but many women were also interested. Another study, Allers et al. in 2011, uh, 367 men aged between 40 and 79 living in Berlin. So consider that. They're Germans. <laughs> uh, what percentage were into voyeurism? Oh, um, uh, 30%. Yeah, good, 35. But you know why I'm thinking? Oh, I was thinking it would be even lower. So I'm thinking like, and of course I'm stereotyping the shit out of this, but I'm thinking like, sure, they're into German shyster movies, but I don't want to watch because that's like a little too personal. <laughs> Fetishism, 30%. Sadism, 22 <laughs> Another study, uh, not necessarily a valid measure, but worth mentioning, Ogas and, and Gotham or Goddam, uh, 2011. In one year, how many internet searches were related to sex, 20, 2011? Uh, Percentage-wise? No, how, how many? Oh, how many? Like the number. Searches in one year? Yeah. Uh, 10 billion. <laughs> <laughs> 55 million. The majority of these searches were associated with 20 main themes, of which seven could be labeled as anomalous. So uh, what searches would those be? Oh, wait. wait, wait what? Sorry. This was 55 million searches where? Uh, yeah, on the internet. On for, the for internet? Sex? For sex? No, that's not. That can't be right. That sounds like a totally low number. But okay. Uh, and what the second question was? Uh, the majority of these searches were associated with 20 main themes. Okay. Of which seven could be labeled as, quote, unquote, anomalous. Uh, yeah, so, uh, uh, okay. Okay. So what are some of the themes? Yeah. What were those seven themes that were, um, uh, that, that might, be, might be considered to be, um, yeah. Incest. Good. What else? Um, th- oh, so, oh yeah. S and M like, uh, sadomasochism, domination, domination. And, and submission. Yes. Okay. Uh, feet. Nope. No feet. Uh, it's funny. Cause if you go on 4chan, you'd think that feet is like a oh, big really? deal. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, upskirt. Nope. Like, no, no voyeurism stuff. Yep. Okay. Teen. Oh, no, really? Which to me is very debatable. 19? <laughs> well, because, right, it, you know, 18, 19 okay. is not anomalous. Sure. I mean, it's legal and they're yeah, not yeah. children. So, But bestiality, transsexuality, and grannies. Grannies? Uh, yeah, that, oh. Uh, so those were in the top 20 main themes, which is interesting. Okay, I, yeah. Another study... Uh, so they decide, as you were kind of talking about the bell curve, they decided to actually nail down, instead of just using the DSM, which is largely unscientific, it's just like eight random things that they came up with seemingly, they decided to classify things. And so they did it by standard deviation. So if uh, two standard deviations from the mean is means you're in, the, you're in a 2% group, Okay. okay, and so they consider that to be abnormal. So if if only two percent of the population does a particular sexual behavior, then that means you're they're, they're going to label that as abnormal. 
if you're one standard between one and two, then that's between two and 16%. That's atypical. Yeah. If you're between 50% and 80% of the population, we're, they're going to call that common. And if they're 84% or higher, they're going to call that typical. So they surveyed 1,500 adults. Only one sexual fantasy could be considered abnormal, meaning only shared by 2% of the population. What, what, what one was that? Less than 2%. Um, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, is anal sex considered abnormal in this case? Uh, it w- was probably in there, but that's not what, you know. Think of like the most odd uh, sexual preference to humans. Uh, that is that we talk about sometimes that we label that isn't so specific that we would never have talked about it. Oh well, pedophilia then. Right. Okay. So having sex with a child age twelve or less is the only sex. So they had like fifty different sexual uh-huh. what, what what might be considered abnormal behaviors. There's only one that they would classify as two you know standard right. deviations from the mean, and less than two percent were interested in having sex with children. So, so that's interesting because I was saying earlier how, okay, if you wanted to define something as being abnormal by being not common, but this actually the, the, the proof is against that, that all these things are common. They're very common. Yeah. <laughs> that's the point. It's like the DSM has things listed in there as quote unquote, uh, paraphilia, meaning abnormal, <laughs> but yet most pe- many people or a third of people actually are interested in this. It literally is like saying like, yeah. If your pigment of your skin is darker than this patch of yeah. color. So atypical, which was between 1 and 2, so that was 2 to 16% of people have this. There were only four, and it was for both genders, for both men and women. Which uh, four, could you imagine, would be, quote-unquote, atypical? Okay, so then one of the masochistic or uh, bondage. Uh, nope. No, that one was typical. That, okay. was more, that was more common. More common. Yeah. Uh, a voyeurism, then. Nope, no, more, more common. common. Uh, animals, bestiality. Yep, having okay. sex with an animal is just atypical, meaning between 2 and 16% okay. for both men and women. Okay, and then, um, oh, the non-consensual, like groping or... Uh, nope, uh, that's more common. That's more common. Okay, Jesus. Um, we haven't talked about geez. two of them, and one of them we have talked about. Uh, oh, like, um, what's the one where you're... Yeah, you're just having sex with inanimate objects. Nope. No. That's more of common. Not. Of course that's more common. Though. So so uh, one was the trans, the oh, cross-dressing. Okay. So wearing clothes of opposite gender. Cross-dressing. So that is, uh, according to the study, quote-unquote, atypical between 2 okay. and 16%. And the other two are urinating on a partner or oh. or being urinated on. Right. Okay. So the, these are more atypical. But what about... Uh, defecation was that more about right? So the rest 40, 40, I don't know if defecation was on there, but the rest 49, so uh-huh. there are 49 other yeah. sexual behaviors were neither abnormal or atypical. Weird. And 24 of the sexual fantasies were, were common for men. Okay. Uh, so, so many of these, uh, you know, quote unquote, what would be considered to be abnormal fantasies are actually much more common. So we can. We can say that pedophilia is very strange. It's a very strange fantasy to want to have sex with children. Yeah. And we can all agree that there's so something that, wrong with someone who has a fantasy like that. So that's actually that's actually a good example of like not only is it rare, but we also consider it like wrong, right? right? And we legislate against it and stuff like that. So that's a nice coinc- uh, coincident s- set of things. Well, it's coincidental only in that uh, – 
as human beings, we inherently are born to care about other human yeah. beings. And when you have a impulse that counters that yeah. in a very visceral way, then we deem you as so something's wrong with you. Yeah. yeah, and I actually, I didn't mean coincident as in like, whoa, that's a coincidence. I just meant that's a good trifecta, right? It's, a nice, co- it's a nice coincidence yes, in that yes. it, it... It's rare? It, it matches up with... It's good that it's rare. That's right. And then we intuitively don't like it, right. and then we actually legislate against right. it. Right, yeah. Whereas other things, like, uh, for instance, being urinated on yeah. is also extremely rare, but yeah. we wouldn't want to call that pathological. Right. What's wrong with being urinated on? You know, hey, it's uh, it doesn't it, uh, if you're like dying of thirst, don't you drink your own urine and stuff? That's right. It's probably <laughs> good for your skin. I don't know. Um, okay, another study found that uh, you know because a lot of times what people will say is, "Ooh, you know these these strange abnormal sexual fantasies." You know, there there's something wrong with that. You know, there's a, people will have a, a kind of a visceral feeling of like, "Ooh, there's something." something pathological about wanting to be urinated on. But actually, research has found that a diversity of sexual fantasies is actually associated with a better sex, sex life satisfaction, hmm. uh, not the contrary. So Interesting. Yeah. So it's actually quite healthy to have a diversity of fantasies. So you might actually have more, uh, what do they call it, distress? Dis- um, if you're like, you know, imagine, no, 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 no. We must only have sex in one position, in one way, and through a sheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what's the final word, Berto? Man, you do you as long as doing you does not do someone else when they don't want them being done by you doing you. Exactly. The DSM and our culture and our field of psychotherapy is still completely puritanical, which com- drives me fucking crazy, as people can tell. We are completely ridiculous as a culture when it comes to sex. I mean, transvestism, what? Sexual arousal from cross-dressing as manifested by fantasies, urges, or behavior. This is, this is, this is a disorder still in the DSM-5, 2013, published 2013, that we still utilize, and no one is speaking out against this. No one is throwing this book in the garbage because of it. It's like completely anti-human beings. You can just fantasize about cross-dressing, and qualify if it causes distress, which it will because cultural hatred will produce distress. This was published in 2013. The DSM, our culture, our field are still ignorant of culture and social constructions, and it drives me fucking crazy. It's just like every time I think, you know, we, we're, we're t- making steps forward, I, I just, I realize, you know what, it's going to be decades before our field wakes up to the reality of social construction and 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 the way that we see things affects the way that we diagnose it just drives me nuts Ugh. <laughs> all right well that does it for that episode of psychology in seattle thanks for joining us out there please take care of yourself and allow yourself to have whatever sexual fantasy or proclivity you want as long as it's not harming other people uh, it's 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 good by us sex is sex is good right Berto? it's great i endorse it Please take care of yourself because you deserve it.